I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you watch it on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I think I told you the other day I was going to have a story up on Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Well, it hasn't been up yet, but it will be up, I think, on Thursday. So check it out on ESPN.com. And in a few minutes, I'll be joined by my ESPN counterpart in Buffalo, Elena Getzenberg, talking about the Bills. Get you ready for the Bills game because, listen, Washington's 2-0. You need to know about the opponent. But before we get to Elena, I just want to go over a few things that I got from the locker room, talking to the players, the coaches, or Ron Rivera today, and just a few things to catch you up on. First, let's start with the, with the RFK site. The House Oversight Committee basically said that they're okay giving the land – to RFK, still has to pass the House, still has to pass the Senate. Long way to go here, folks. And while this is a key step, there's a long way to go before this team can end up back at RFK. So just understand that it's just a first step. The House, the Senate still have to pass it, probably going to go through. But then you still have to see, then you have to DC City Council. Then you also have to see, well, how much money would they actually be giving to the team to help get them downtown? So long, long way to go. Just take it for what it is, is a first step and that's it. So not to douse, throw water on it. I'm not. It's It's a good step, but it's just a first one. And again, I've been told by people here, whatever, there's a long way to go in this whole process. The other locales are very much in this race for the new stadium. It is not just an RFK thing. So there you go. Anyways, and we'll just keep keep you updated on as this story develops, et cetera, and whenever the bills are passed. All right, for practice sports, Deron Payne did not practice, has the ankle injury, did go, did leave the game the other day, did go back in. Logan Thomas did not practice because of the concussion. And again, we won't know his status until Friday. Typically, guys are missing a week when they have a concussion. We'll see where this goes. Haven't seen them around yet. And Quan Martin was limited. He was out there. He's got. He's he's still recovering from the concussion, but he was on the field. He was in full pads. Had his penny on. Over. He had a penny jersey over his regular uniform. And so there you go. And one of the things I actually, one of the things I was interested in, it was some of the Sam Howell stuff and the patience or the holding the ball. Is it, how much are you holding the ball long? Actually, talk had some good conversation about that. I'm going to relay some of that on Friday because I think it pertains to this game this weekend. It's very important, and it's an area of growth that that he that has been seen that I think can help them on Sunday. So we'll get more into that on Friday. So there you go. Let's start with Brian Robinson, and one of the things that Ron Rivera talked about in his press conference was, um, and the big word is patience. So for he for Robinson and Antonio Gibson. 
in this offense, more of a zone, you know, outside a lot of outside zones or different kinds of zones, but it's there's going to be require some more patience to set these blocks up. Robinson in college, more of a downhill guy. Gibson still kind of learning to play the position. Now switching offenses, a little bit different uh, than what they were used to under Scott Turner. So they've been getting used to it. Ironically, Chris Rodriguez is already used to this. And this is something because when when they drafted him, I think I remember going when I watched him, my bit, one of the things I really liked was he's a good one-cut runner, which fits well in this system. So that requires patience. And again, I go back to Alfred Morris all the time because I felt like he was a really good one-cut runner. He was patient. He was smart. He set blockers up. That 27-yard run was a direct result in part of Rob. It starts with Robinson's patience, let blocks set up, finds a crease, gets the, lets the Nick Gates get to the linebacker. Then he gets to the second level, breaks tackles. Then you get to the third level because Curtis Samuel's making blocks. But that's the result of the patience. And Robinson told me that one of the things that he notices, he knows that the more he gets the ball, the more comfortable he gets and the more patient he thinks he becomes. Now, asked about that to Ron Rivera, or asked Ron Rivera about that, and he said, you know, it's kind of hard to feed him the ball when you're down 21-3 in the first half. Now, in the first game, it wasn't quite like that. So, but what they do know is he does get better the more he carries. And 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 Rivera said the more he saw it, the more comfortable, the more confidence he saw running with pop. He said that's the kind of runner they saw during it was mostly during that three-game stretch last year when he ran for a combined 290 yards. So I think, you know, but it's it there's that some of the adaptation from one offense to another that players still have to get used to, even though you're in the NFL and even though you're running the ball, or whatever. There are still things they're learning, and that's one of the things for Gibson, for Robinson, and as well as Gibson. But Robinson showed in that second half, and what what happens is when you start to see it work, you start to understand how you have to do it, and you can do a little bit more. But even he admitted that sometimes it's really hard to be that patient early in the game because you get kind of juiced up and you get jack, jacked up to get going, and it's hard to be that patient, and you want to just see it and go. In doing so, sometimes you take what could have been an eight-yard run and turn it into a two-yard run. So that's just something he's been working on. That was part of the conversation. That 27-yard run highlighted it, talked about that on the uh, film review podcast um, on Tuesday morning. <clears throat> Rivera also felt that, um, and Howell felt that he was more decisive with some of his throws, not it was more so than he than he was even in the opener. And, and again, the opener, there are just there are a few throws, and you would say, what does he have to improve on? Well, sometimes that's it. Sometimes it's something else. From the opener, that's what it was. And you know, but he felt like he was more decisive in the opener. And again, I'll have a little bit more on this on Friday because again, it pertains to the keys to Sunday's game. <clears throat> but there is a lot to be excited about with that kid, and I think that's part of why. And again, I always go back to what Leno's Charles Leno said about there being a difference, that difference, it's, there's a vibe, there's all this, all that. I think it's Biennemi's presence and what he's done for the offense. But I also think it's Sam Howell too. When you have a quarterback, a lot of things look a lot better. And, and I mean, there's no reason to think that this kid isn't going to get better. How much better? I don't know, but he's going to get better. And, you know, so I think that that's just something that will be fun to watch as it develops. Rivera was asked about Cody Barton, linebacker, and just kind of evaluate his play over the first for first couple of games. It hasn't been great. We know that we can see it. Um, there have been some times we say, okay, that looks okay. And there are other times that there's a lot to learn and there's a lot that he has to improve on. And he knows that, 
And I remember I even talked to him about this last week and just some of the adjustments you have to, again, adjustments. That's the big word. When you're coming from a different system to here, it's a big word. But the other thing that Rivera pointed out, and this is one of the things I talked about with Barton last week as well, which is playing off these tackles. And Rivera said that Jack Del Rio gives these tackles a lot of liberties. And so you have to, as a linebacker, you're playing off that guy. So if he's going to, if you see him starting to hit this gap out of this look, you know, you have to now take another gap. Whereas in, in some systems, it may be, it's very clearly defined what they're going to do. Well, you got playmakers up front. You're going to let those guys make plays. That's how they make plays. So you're going to give them that freedom. But behind it, you have to learn how to play off it. And that's something that's going to take a minute for, I think, Barton to, to get to. And Jamin Davis has gotten to that point. You see him playing faster because of that. Whereas Barton is still, I think, in the run game, a little bit hesitant at times or a little bit slower to get where he needs to go. The other area he has to improve is in the pass game and in coverage. I think that's not playing behind those tackles. That's just you got to get better. And whether it's you know recognition, whether it's playing, getting out of your zone a little by a couple yards, which then puts you out of position to make a play over here. Or there was one time where it looks like, I can't remember, it was a, a little check down. I think, I can't remember, it was the uh, running back or maybe it was in Jerry Judy, but he has a chance to come up and make a play, but instead he breaks down, guy jukes him and he gets by him instead of a two-yard gain, which if he had just kept going, it's a two-yard gain, guy gets by him for nine. So those are the kind of things that in the pass game that is not related to the tackles, but the run game, that's where that's what they're saying. And I do think there's, you know, it's only a second game with his defense. So there is an element of truth to it. But we have to see, does it get better? Because it has to. Also, with the screen game success, one of the things that 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 you talk about is like it, you can make it look the same. But one of the keys, there's a couple of keys to this. One, um, the way that Denver was pressuring them forced them to get to that screen game because they that's a way to slow it down. Not every team's going to pressure that way, so it's not going to work every week. But when you're facing that kind of pressure, it really worked. The other key is that they use the, the tight ends and the backs to chip a lot. So some of those motions, when they're going to do that, it's what you then incorporate in the screen game. So when you're able to chip like that, it sets you up for that. And you saw that a lot in Kansas City. They do chip a lot there too, but it, it, makes, the, makes, the, it makes the action look the same so you can then set up that screen game just a little bit better. So, you know, now, you know, and I'm going to be digging deeper into that over the coming weeks. because I'm kind of fascinated by it because it worked really well. And there's on multiple for multiple reasons it worked well. But the way from the way they set it up to the way they executed, it goes back to a lot of the details that the enemy used talks about. I mean, every most coaches are trying to be detail oriented, but I think there's an extra emphasis with him. So that but that definitely helps. And there's a lot of reasons, again, a lot of reasons why it worked. But some of it is timing of the calls and 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 all that. And I will say, you know, it's funny because um, a lot of people get you ask about like, well, would they trade? You know, not a lot of people are asking. It's kind of died down, but I do get asked once in a while about Jacoby Brissett, the Jets, something like that. There's first of all, there's no way Washington's going to trade him because they don't have a backup quarterback that can replace him. Jake Fromm's not going to be as good as Jacoby Brissett, not even close. And if you think he is, then maybe they should trade him to the Jets, right? That's not going to happen either, of course. And that's just a joke. But with Brissett, I don't. I think what people have to realize is just how smart the guy is. That guy can be a future coach if he wants to be, and I think it's invaluable to have a guy like that on the sidelines. You know, there's sometimes with 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 how that he's do, doing a really good job providing tips, coaching pointers, whatever to him during the game. He's invaluable. So anyway, Cam Cheeseman, guy of the hour this week, right? Because a couple bad snaps each the last couple of weeks. 
they did, as we talked on the live stream podcast, they did uh, with Bram Weinstein, they did bring in five kickers Tuesday to work out. Rivera felt that none of them were better. It's as simple as that. And people can scream like when whatever, but if they're not better, they're not better. And so you're going to stick with this guy until he shows you a reason, another reason why you can't trust him, because maybe you bring in one of these other guys. And if they're not better then what happens there. So that's part of what you're thinking as a coach. Um, I do think it may be that some of them are closer than the others. So we'll see where it goes. And if, and if, if it continues for Cheeseman, it's going to be kind of hard to stick with him because you, it's just, it'll be difficult. So anyways, um, I did talk to Cheeseman a little bit about in the funny, well, one, the funny thing is like the biggest story this the year of the season so far is, are they going to replace the long snapper? And it's kind of been a topic. Like, can you imagine where, you know, in the past, some of the stories we've dealt with here, now the biggest story this week is the long snapper. And that shows you some of what, how much has changed here over the last year um, that that is now the biggest story of the week. But I did talk to Cheeseman. He said that he has not changed his grip. Said he is really not, you know, there's just some little things that he's been working on, but it's not about the grip or anything like that. It's just about he's got to, he knows he has to be consistent. Said that 99% of the of his snaps throughout the weeks have been really good. It's just that there have been a couple of those games. I will say from watching practice, watching the preseason, he had some of those snaps during those times too. And Tressway is a tremendous holder and is a good, good thing for that. But he also said it's about guys coming in. He's like, it's the reality of the league. And it's, it's a job where you have to be perfect and not many people have that kind of job. It's why it takes a long time for long snappers, for kickers to mature. Because if you're, if you're an offensive guard and you, you know, you make 80% of your blocks, right. They're going to keep you around for a little bit to see where you can get up. If you're a kicker, you make 80% of your kicks. You're probably going to be gone within a couple of years. And for a long snapper, you, you mess up a little bit. It's going to be, you're going to be bouncing around from team to team until you get that stride. Like, you know, you get that groove where it does take several years to do. And then you see those guys just might bounce around, bounce around, bounce around, and then find a home for 10 to 14 years, because it's hard to find those guys who can be that good, but it's also hard to get to that point where, where you get become that good. And that's what Cheeseman is battling right now. You know, you got to make the snaps. That's his job. And the job is to be perfect. So, but even, you know, even within that perfect, there's one thing to be perfect. You don't always have, it's not always going to be, sometimes even with Nick Sumberg, as good as he was, it might be a little bit off, might be a little bit high, but they were in the area and they were, they were, maybe they weren't his best snaps, but they weren't horrible snaps. You can't get him skidding back on the ground. There's a difference between being a little bit off and then those kind of snaps. And that's what they can't live with. And that's what they'll have. If, if it continues, then they now have five guys that they've worked out, that they know where they can go if something more happens. Anyway, that's it for me. Now, let's get to the Buffalo Bills with my ESPN counterpart in Buffalo, Lena Getzenberg. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code KIME. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Okay, Elena, we can start with how much did Buffalo exhale the city after Sunday's game? should have been a whole celebration like it was a a much excitement but no I think there was a big um feeling of relief because like I think you looked at what happened Monday night against the Jets and it was just so like there was so many silly mistakes made that like that game was so winnable which was why I think they took everyone took it kind of harder because that was in their hands that was the Bills game to lose and they literally you know because of Josh Allen's bad decision making lost that game and I think Sunday was almost the literal opposite of that against the Raiders. He, Josh looked so in control of that offense. They were completing passes all over the place, running the football, everything just got moving. So it couldn't have been more of a flip. And I think that is more indicative of what the Bills offense should look like going forward and whether or not they can continue that over the course of the season. That's the big question, but it was quite the relief around Buffalo. I'm sure it was. And, you know, you had a story up everything in moderation and talking about like the balance attack and what they were doing. What, how big a change was it week one to week two with what they did? It was a huge change because over the, I've been covering this team. This is now my third season. Sean McDermott has been talking a lot about all of these years about wanting to run the football consistently and having that be a part of what they do on offense. And a lot of that has been Josh Allen running the football. That's something that he does well, obviously that's part of what people know about him is his ability to run the football. And they haven't really been able to establish consistently a running game over the years with a running back. And I think on Sunday we saw like the first signs of what they would like to do this season with James Cook, which is have him be a feature back, have him run the football consistently, get those yards after contact. And he did that to a high level on Sunday. And whether or not that will continue to that extent, you know, it may have been like the outlier, but like if they can get that going to some level, that would be huge for this offense. 
versus Josh Allen had three carries. And that's more of what I think we should expect to see is Josh trying to lower that number of planned carries of him actually taking the football and trying to make the play with his legs because that's when he could get hurt. So that's kind of where this balanced approach comes from is having that running game start going consistently. And they have the receivers to throw to. He completed passes to nine different players against the Raiders. So there's no shortage of talent that he can throw to. It's getting that running game going with James Cook and then having Damian Harris and Latavius Murray to compliment him. He is, he's, Josh Allen has caught a lot of heat and it, which is funny because the guy is a, tr- he's a really, really good quarterback. He's a tremendous quarterback, yeah. but if you haven't won a Super Bowl, you're always going to catch heat. So as good as he's been, how did he respond to that? I mean, just even during the week, how does he respond to those things? Cause when you look at his history, it seems like when he has a really bad game, he almost always responds well the next game. He uses it he said this after the game against the Raiders he said he uses it as fuel it's something that he actually uses he likes those bad performances not likes it nobody wants to play poorly but you know there's a benefit to it and that the fact that he can this feeling he gets when he plays well and the week throughout after those bad games it gives him that extra edge and that was kind of like talking to players after the game versus the Raiders practice leading up to the game was more intense like there was just another level to it they felt like they needed to like put that extra amount in and it paid off. And yeah, I think Josh, he talked all off season about wanting to make smarter decisions about wanting to not turn the ball over the way he did last season. And then he came out and did that. And the frustration, I, that press conference he had after the Jets game, I've never seen him that frustrated. And I think it was because he had put all off season (laughs) into achieving this and then it just didn't work out. So I think all of that kind of fueled, this game against the Raiders and how well he played. I mean, cleared over 80% of his passes, three touchdowns, zero turnovers, like just a really good performance. And throughout the week, you could tell he was like, I'm going to learn from that and then leave it behind. And it, it worked effectively because again, it was a heck of a performance. He, he looked like he was like totally on it all day long. And it also, it sounded like, cause you bring up the decision-making and obviously against the Jets, what, what everybody saw was, you know, just heaving it downfield and double covered, whatever. What was different in, in the approach? Was it more and was it more just methodically pushing the ball down the field? Yeah, that's a great point. I actually asked um, the Bills offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, yesterday. I was like, was it the game plan? Because what they did against the Raiders was these shorter passes. Josh was not throwing it downfield. His air yards per pass like dropped by three or four yards because I think it went to 3.9 from about seven-ish because – he was taking the passes that were available to him. It wasn't necessarily the Bills' game plan to, you know, make those short throws to get those, but he, what he did was he took what the defense was giving him, which I think he kind of lacked some against the Jets. He was wanting to make those big plays, those throws downfield to get it to step on digs, all of that sort of thing. But against the Raiders, he saw Dawson Knox was open for a, a whatever game, and he was able to that he did made that choice instead of risking the bigger play and like the potential turnover. So it was him making those open throws versus trying to force something, which he's done in the past and has been something he's trying to correct. So if he can do that, if he can make those short plays, like I said, they have so many options available in this offense at this point, especially after they drafted rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid, like with the 12 personnel and what they can do with this offense, that if he can make the right decisions, there's, there's a lot of reason why this offense can be really good consistently. And how do you see that, you know, when you have the approach they did last week, the mm-hmm. long-term benefit on guys like Stefan Diggs and all that, even getting down the field, how does this, 
how do they feel like this can open things up for them? Yeah, a lot of the problems with the Bills offense in the second half of last season declined. They just, the number, they won a lot of games, but like you could just tell the offense was not going consistently and it was just not clicking. And a lot of that was defenses took Stefan Diggs out of the game. His numbers went down tremendously in the second half of last season. He was on pace for a career best season and it did not quite, he still had a great, I mean, he still had a great year. His numbers are great, but it wasn't quite to that level he was at the first half of the season. And if, because defense is new, if they took him out, there is only so much, like, there's other players like Gabe Davis has been there and he's playing well, but not maybe quite to the level the Bills would, you know, he's dealing with an injury last season and they had other players, but there just wasn't like that big threat like Stefan Diggs. And I think now that they're, they, I mean, adding Dalton Kincaid was an emphasis because they wanted to make this offense more complex and to be able to try to run this 12 personnel. So I think doing that and giving more options is a great news for Stefan Diggs because Hopefully, I think the, the goal is that the defenses will have more to worry about and Stefan Diggs can have more opportunities then. I still think defense, just because they don't have – Gabe Davis is a good player, right. but they don't have a number two receiver that quite distracts from Stefan Diggs. And I think they, they'll run these different things with the 12 personnel and even some 13 personnel, but whether or not they'll actually be able to like give Stefan Diggs those increased opportunities is – something interesting to see because they still they have such an emphasis on getting him the football still that it's just an interesting component whether or not defense is focused on staff or kind of let them beat them other ways but it's certainly the goal is to give Stefan Diggs more opportunities and I'm sure Diggs is okay if he doesn't get a lot of opportunities right (laughs) it's an interesting thing where like I think if they are winning and the offense is producing well he is okay with it like I think He's still going to – Stephon Diggs is going to leave most games with a certain amount of receptions. That's just the way this offense he's, goes. He's really, really good. Yes, he is. A, he's, sometimes I watch his route running in camp, and it's just like you can tell how – and I'm not like a wide receiver expert. Like I won't claim to be, but like you can just tell how much better he is than everyone else out there. Um, but I, I do think while, you know, maybe there's – things out there about Steph and all that kind of thing. I think if this offense is producing and he's not getting the football, he is okay. Like, I think he's fine with that. It's when the offense isn't producing and he's not getting the football. That's when the frustration comes. Especially because he knows he can help. And there's no doubt about that. He's very, very dangerous and probably one of the most, you know, underdrafted players in years. Anyway, James Cook, you brought him up in the run game. What makes him dangerous? And you know, what makes him dangerous? He's got some speed to him. He's shifty. I think it was the, yards after contact in this past game where he really got going um and he's also i mean something the bills have been searching for for years and washington was involved in this uh off season ago was (laughs) was a receiving back um and he has that ability as well which is huge for this bill's offense because if they can get that going like i said they've been looking for the guy to do that naheem hines was a maybe candidate for that but he's done for the season so I think James's ability to help this offense in multiple ways makes him dangerous. He's not, he's still developing. We're in like, he's, this was his first, this past game was his first 100 yard rushing game right. as a Bill. And he played a good amount last season, but they're really kind of bringing him in, bringing him in. So I think it'll only go up from him. But he's shown like the ability to get through tackles and take advantage of when this offensive line has success, like take advantage of those opportunities. And I think that's kind of where he succeeds. Where do you feel like where where are there some questions on this offense? I know Spencer Brown was a guy at right tackle, but where are some questions on this offense for you still? 
still right tackle. Uh, Spencer Brown had a great game last yeah. week. It's his ability to do that consistently that we have not seen yet. So if he can, that is huge news for this offense. That would be a tremendous development. So they're definitely looking at that. Um, I think still, like I mentioned, getting these, they haven't, they brought in a couple of wide receivers this off season, Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, and they still haven't gotten them really involved at a high level. And I think if they were able to do that, that would help this offense more, but they've really kind of been giving staff and Gabe a lot of snaps and that sort of thing. The other thing is like, it's not necessarily like a weakness, but Dalton Kincaid is someone who they would like to be a huge participant in this offense. I think they're bringing him in slowly as a rookie, which is something they've done in the past. So if he sees his snaps increase and the element of that, he's played well so far. So like, that's something it's like, Will they increase that? And if so, could that become something to watch because he's a young player? Overall, they've been really impressed with him so far, but what element that would bring is still a little bit, you know, if they increase, if Josh throws to him more, basically, would that, you know, what would that do for this offense is still something they're testing out. Then run defense, gashed in week one, unbelievable in week two. Where where are we at there with that, with the, with their run defense? It's an interesting thing where, like, they gave up this huge 80-plus yard run against the Jets, and it completely, like, their number looks nuts because well, of true. it. Like, yeah, almost that, that one, one run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they gave up a couple big ones against the Jets. But it's something they're working on, to be honest. This defensive line is – I think the interior of this defensive line especially is arguably the most talented spot on this roster depth-wise. They just have so many guys. Tim Settle, former Washington player, yep, too. So they – he's – you know, they have these guys they can switch in that are still very talented, which I think makes them dangerous. I do think they have, you know, giving up a big run is something they are susceptible to. It's something that could be exploited, but they also saw that and like really shored up those gaps this week. So it's an area that I think is still in progress, but I think this defensive line overall is is very talented. How good do you think this D can be? Because before the injuries last year and, you know, a couple of years ago, you're thinking this is like, I really, really liked watching their D. But where where is it at right now, do you think? It's in an interesting spot because they have a new middle linebacker replacing right. Tremaine Edmonds and Terrell Bernard. And he's played well so far. He's someone, he played zero and no snaps at all in the preseason because he was dealing with a hamstring injury. So they basically had their starting middle linebacker come out and play his first snaps as a middle linebacker in the NFL in week one against the New York Jets on Monday night football in a game setting, at least. So he's still learning and he's very, I think if there was a weakness in this defense, he's played well, but just his comfortability, his communication is something that's, he's just a young player. So it's a work in progress. Um, luckily he has Matt Milano right near him. So it makes pretty his good. job. Yeah, pretty good. A little easier. Um, and he had an interception this past game to Terrell. So he's someone that's playing well. And then, their cornerback spot's interesting because Tredavious White still hasn't looked quite like his old self as he's coming off this ACL from a year and a half ago, or more than a year and a half ago at this point. So he's still working his way back. And then they've got a young corner that's from the Maryland area, actually Christian that's Benford, right. who um, has been playing well. He's a six-round pick that earned his way into the starting role over their first-round pick, Kyer Elam, actually, is one of the candidates. So he's played well, but again, there's these two young players with Terrell and Christian Benford that I think if you were trying to exploit this defense, those are certainly areas I would look to because in the back they've got 
you know, very talented safeties and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer that right. certainly I like those. They're two pretty good. Yes. They're they're what sustain, you know, the back end of this defense when they have any issues at cornerback, they've got these two safeties that are, are pretty good. So uh, what you know, the pass rush, I can look at the numbers, but what's your assessment of the pass rush? Because that's where protection this team can break down with that, whether it's because the quarterback holds it a little bit long or because tackle play needs to be better. Where where is the pass rush at for Buffalo? Without Vaughn Miller, they are doing pretty well. I think the addition of Leonard Floyd was like yeah. a under the radar one because they did it late in the spring, but he's been huge. He's played really, really well to start the season. And then Greg Rousseau, who's in his third year, has also had a really good start to the season. So they're playing well. I think they're still developing it there, but it's been very, I think without Von Miller, there were some question marks with, you know, how they would look with obviously without a future hall of famer available, but I think it's been, I think they've been having success and really causing some pressure. And again, I don't know if they've faced the best, you know, offensive lines with the jets and the Raiders, but maybe that's, you know, sounds like Washington, you know, might provide another opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I, they're not facing the best one this week, but it's, you know, young quarterback, how does he handle it? He's been pretty good at times, especially. And so it'll be interesting to see how they handle whatever Buffalo throws at them with those veteran safeties and what they do there. So Elena, I appreciate it. We will see you Sunday. Thanks for coming on. Really good insight. Thanks for having me. That's it for me. Thanks to Elena for joining me. Thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Friday with keys and predictions to Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills. I'll talk to you next time.